Hey there, true listeners. This is Kyle from the Longbox Cast, and you're listening to another great Four Ride Radio podcast. For more great shows, check out fourrideradio.com. And while you're at it, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash longboxcast. Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. There's so many parallels to when I would talk with you and you'd follow you on Twitter early on. I'd read stuff and I'd be like, man, that just sounds a lot like some stuff that I went through when I was a kid. And, you know, how you found Power Rangers is very similar to how I grew up. And I found Power Rangers and I found it fairly striking that there was somebody else my age. Right. That kind of fell into Power Rangers to kind of say, like you were talking about how you would uh, be like the new kid in school and stuff like that. And- well, it, it just like connecting with Tommy, like as a character. Right. He was the new kid and I was the new kid. And it's just when Power Rangers hit that boom in 93 and I was in sixth grade, everyone in my school was talking about Power Rangers. And it opened the door for me to have something to talk to with all these different kids. That's why I've never strayed away really from this franchise because I mean, that helped such a big part of my childhood. Even now, you can say, hey, there's been so many people that I've connected. I'd say, hey, I'm a fan of Power Rangers. I'd be like, no way. I'm a fan of Power Rangers. And then I remember going to a convention one time, and it, it was like the silliest, awesome thing. And a buddy of mine from Georgia uh-huh. ended up coming up to a convention in North Carolina that I went down to from Michigan. And then when I got to my table, there was a, a little package, and then it, it had like uh, some, some of his busted up old Zords oh, that he had. He's like, yeah, I don't need these anymore. I thought you'd like them. Here's this. And then there was another package in there. Like, and then I thought you'd like this. It was a Legacy Morpher when they first came out. And I'm like, I have one, but I have two now. And then I totally made that into uh, like Starlight Studios. Oh, uh, nice. The gold plates and everything when they first came out with that. So I was like, sweet. And so it's like I have bonds with Power Rangers more so than my art. <laughs> and I think it's funny because it makes me feel like I'm like, oh, great. That's awesome. But, you know, Power Rangers has been allowed a lot longer than my illustration was. <laughs> <laughs> Being able to find so many friends through Twitter and online just because of Power Rangers in my adult life is significant. Just because you're an adult fan, you can still find those interactions with people and carry that on as a friendship. I'll always be grateful for the franchise, no matter how bad the TV show might suck. (laughs) I'll always support it, and I think the 25th anniversary is a pretty big milestone coming up. Boom Studios is killing it right now. Oh, yeah. I finished off the last issue of the Pink Mini. Like, that whole, and it, ooh, that was a good series. And that kind of lifted my spirits at the end there. That last issue was just really nice. And now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Hey, 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 It's the Ranger Command Power Hour. It's morphin' time. Today on the Power Hour, episode 87, Ranger Merch Review, Boom Studios Power Ranger Comics, Part 2. Recorded on February 8th, 2017. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Send Ranger up with your host. I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieB47. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash rangercommandph. There are over 150,000 tiles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today we are welcoming back our co-host for our Boom Studios comics 
series, Jeremy Treese. You can find him at The Legacy Ranger and at Jeremy Treese on Twitter. Jeremy is a freelance comic book illustrator living in Detroit, Michigan. You can find the art of Jeremy Treese at jeremytreese.com. And we reviewed the first set of Boom Studio comics last August in episode 74. So welcome back, Jeremy. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, great. So let's get right into it because since our last time that we talked about this, there have been six issues of the main series that have come out, which we'll talk about today. The last three for the Pink series and Justice League Power Rangers number one. They're so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's dive right into it. The last issue that we talked about for the main series was issue five, and that was kind of like that break between the command center blowing up and issue six. And we'll get into talking about issue ten, which is another one of those like kind of one-offs that separates the story. I read in a couple different interviews with Kyle Higgins, the main writer, these breakaway standalone issues are basically to give the main artist a chance to chill out <laughs> and, and decompress before getting back into the main comic book series. But also, it's not like these are just one-offs. These are also giving more insight into the characters, where issue five was focused on Zack, and it gave a little bit more insight as to why he's arguing so much with Tommy in these series. Well, issue 10 went into Billy. So, we'll get into that, but issue six kicks off a new arc with the Black Dragon saga. This issue, they face a seemingly all powerful threat entirely on their own without the guidance of Zordon. As the fate of the world hangs in balance, Jason must lead the Rangers through these darkest of times. I gotta say, issue six, for me, was pretty epic. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the introduction of the Black Dragon. It happened on, like, the third page, and it kicked off this epic fight. The Black Dragon, his design, at first, it's totally kaiju-inspired. Like, I'm almost feeling like it was drawn from some of those monsters from Pacific Rim. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, like, the sharp angles and stuff like that. So I didn't know how to actually take this thing that was actually speaking English. English. It's actually having conversation with the Rangers because it looks like a crazy monster that isn't from Power Rangers per se. Yeah. It looks it looks a little uh, I don't know how to explain it. It reminded me of especially the first few panels like showing off his details. It almost looked like a beef up, and I don't know if you've ever watched the anime Neon Genesis Evangelion. I haven't actually watched it, but I'm familiar with a lot of the designs there. But for me, it looked like a beefed up Ava from that anime, especially like with the teeth separating from the armor, and it's just, for Power Rangers, it's an absolutely nuts design. Yeah, it kind of looks like maybe something out of Guyver. I'm not saying that it's bad, <laughs> but <laughs> stretch. it feels a little, I guess more grown up. Grown up is not the right word, and it's hard to pinpoint what I'm actually trying to say, but I think it the, feels more of a threat. Yes. And the Black Dragon, I think, separates from what we're used to in dealing with MMPR, because... They were always making, like, these crazy, goofy monsters, things that would be mixed with other things. So it breaks away from that Japanese monster suit type of feel because it's an entirely new creation, so they can do whatever the hell they want. For right. me, it really works, and they hint about a lot of the design, and we'll talk about that for the later issues as they find out yeah. the origins of... <laughs> I can't wait to get to that part, because that was so genius. Yeah. This fight with the Black Dragon was pretty epic because 
because he has this power to, I don't know if he's like screaming or if it's just some charged up thing, but it starts stripping away their powers and it's like their powers are getting sapped away or peeled off of them. As Kimberly mentions, it it feels like their suits were getting peeled off their skin. And it was so epic, like whenever he used his power to strip away their powers. I really love how that was illustrated and shown off in, in this comic. Yeah, it's not like they're taking the actual suit and just like ripping it apart or anything. It's actually like he's taking rubbing alcohol or like nail polish remover and just wiping (laughs) the morphine grid with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It it definitely feels that way. It's like their powers are getting blown off of them in parts. It's like depixelating, but it's not pixels because it's like sand or it's almost waxy. It's just kind of like, yeah, like just blew sand out of your hand. I would assume that's a pretty hard technique to do consistently in in drawing this, but they really pulled it off. The Black Dragon just hands their ass to him. Right. <laughs> and they pretty much have to retreat and Jason and Trini go back into the pocket dimension and they beam everyone else off except for Billy because in what I thought was really cool the Black Dragon yoinks Billy out of his teleportation beam. And yeah. it felt like something for me like out of the new Star Trek movies where they could be yanked out of a beaming effect. It just shows the strength of this villain. He doesn't give any cares at all because He'll just reach in there and grab it and pull it out. And I think there's this intense... We'll talk about it a little bit more later when we get to the standalone issues and stuff. Yeah. But there's this, like, almost demeaning reaction to it. It's like, oh, you're the one I got? You'll do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't matter for the Black Dragon. He just wants one of them. And so the Rangers teleport to this pocket dimension, which is actually falling apart because Zordon's gone. They don't even know where he is. And they're trying to figure things out. Zack and Tommy get into another spat, but Kimberly is pretty quick to say, hey, we're friends right now, and we really have to band together because Billy's gone, and we don't have our powers. We don't know anything that's going on. So, for the meantime, they kind of put that off to the side. I like Trini in this. Trini steps up, and she's basically reminding everybody, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but what I read from it was, she comes in and she's like, hey, all the smart people are gone. What are we going to (laughs) do? You know, she's like, we've never had them leave. What's going on? Right. But, and as we'll see in a couple issues, I think Trini really steps up in this arc to kind of fill the role that Billy fills. I know she gets pretty frustrated and she's doing more than all of them together. But I think that's the strength as a team. They're talking these things out and really trying to figure it out as a team. The Black Dragon calls Rita and there's this great shot of just Alpha in pieces and you see like basically Rita stepping over him. They're in the smoking rubble of the command center and then to end this the Black Dragon takes the coin that he took from Billy and the chaos energy that chaos crystal that Scorpina I guess risked her life for because Rita even says that Scorpina is lost. She's like, even with losing Scorpina, things have gone even better than I expected. So I don't know if that means Scorpina is completely blown up or what. So the Black Dragon uses Billy's coin 
as an access point to the morphing grid and takes away all of the rangers' powers except Tommy. And that's how we end this issue, with them demorphed in the pocket dimension. They felt like they were safe. So I like this moment that Kyle had written in here, and the artist really conveys it pretty well. Everybody's kind of shocked looking, and they thought they were away from the danger. They were in this pocket dimension, and nothing can touch them. And it was like, what is this? <laughs> it's like they just got sucker punched. Yeah, they're getting sucker punched when they're already down, yeah. which is crazy. So moving on to issue seven, the synopsis, the Black Dragon has come as the balance of power shifts. Earth finally falls into Rita's hands. Do the Power Rangers have a hope of saving their home and defeating the nefarious danger that they now face. This issue starts off with Billy in the dark dimension with Goldar. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I love it because it's the same 1993 set from Green with Evil. Yes, it is awesome. It's ASJ fighting Goldar in the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I like that they kept that detail because this comic book series takes place after Green Ranger has become a part of the team. So we can still assume that the events of Green with Evil happened in the comic book universe. So it's nice to see that kind of tie-in to Green with Evil by yep. showing Dark Tension. Yeah. Banter back and forth between Billy and Goldar here is probably one of my favorite moments in the series so far. And that also transfers over into the Pink series. Yeah. Goldar has been amazing in these comics. Absolutely. Billy spends the next couple issues in the Dark Dimension with Goldar, and I really like the back and forth that they have with each other. It's very well written, it's humorous, and it's also showing this side of Goldar that we didn't see a lot of in the original series, in the television show. Mm -hmm. In both of these series, Goldar is not afraid to, like, tip loyalties slightly and do things for his own gain. I really think it adds a, a whole new layer to Goldar, which I really like in this comic book series. No offense to anybody, uh, but I like Goldar here in these books more than I did in the shows growing up or being uh, an adult fan rewatching this series, and probably much more than being an adult rewatching this series. But yeah, Goldar, I feel like he always could have been more. And so this is very satisfying, these books, his, uh, the rendition or uh, the version that we're getting out of Kyle. Goldar is fantastic, and we're getting such a great, satisfying version of Goldar. He's not a bumbling idiot. He actually has his own plans. And when they had the annual last year, there was that great backstory with Goldar and his brother and the whole connection to Lord Zed and a little bit of Goldar's origin. So I'm glad that they're carrying this Goldar character. I'm not going to say more mature, but it's just a level of character that we haven't seen from the TV series. And I really appreciate it here in the comic. And that's what it is. Somebody sat down and went, who is Goldar? What is his motives? Yeah. What did he achieve to do? And actually thought about things. Well, in this instance, what would happen? How would he react to this? Say you're trying to come up with like an RPG character and you're like tabletop role playing and you're actually trying to get into the character's head. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing a, a more militant general, somebody mm -hmm. that is the right hand of somebody great or who he respects greatly. You see it here because he, along with Billy, 
is also in captivity in the realm of darkness. But for Goldar, it's like a self-imposed exile. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, yeah. He, he felt like he failed. I love Billy's response to like, but you failed many times. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> like you're such a failure. Like your name's right next to it in a dictionary. <laughs> Like, he brings that, and I'm just like, good one, Billy, because, like, who wouldn't be afraid of Goldar mauling your face off? Like... (laughs) You don't know if he could take those chains off. I think Billy has, like, nothing to lose right now, so... <laughs> right. And for Goldar to have this warrior's code, and he feels that, you know, he failed his master, it's very much like a Klingon or, or Japanese samurai type of warrior sense of honor, where it's like, I failed, so I gotta take the punishment, and I'm stuck here. And it's yeah. all on his own. I feel like Rita had a bad headache one day and just kind of yelled at him. He's like, all right, I'll go to my room. <laughs> It's that that kind of uh, mentality because of the level of respect for which I have no idea the deep-seated super need to fulfill Rita is because I feel like he could just take her spot so quick. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Ultimately, he really served Lord Zed. So I guess, you know, pleasing the mistress Rita is in a way going to serve Lord Zed. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Moving on, we see the Black Dragon take control of the Zords. I love the hints of, like, the Zord Bay, because we never really got to see that in the show. So that's what I love about Boom Studios, is that with this Power Ranger series, they're talking more about the tech and the Zords, and that's the kind of stuff that I love. Oh, yeah. And it is totally possible to do whatever you want and get whatever shots and kind of ideas across in these books, because there's no budget, really, other than how much is your page rate and what are you willing to draw? <laughs> what can you draw? And exactly. can you put on time? <laughs> so you, you've got all these great ideas that are coming out of this. And it's like for a Power Rangers fan growing up, loving the series and thinking you know everything about it. It's like those those quizzes that you see on Facebook. It's like, <laughs> The top ten things you never knew about Power Rangers. Just like, yep, no, all of those. You can't, you can't get that one past me. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so when we're seeing this stuff, and it's like, like, this is what we want. We see these like bays and the interiors of the Dragon Zord, not necessarily just the cockpit, but like all the little hallways and tunnels leading through, going up into the cockpit. Those were amazing. Yeah, and it feels like it's more grounded, and that's what I love about this series. They're not afraid to take the story where they need to go because they can do anything, essentially, but they're bringing that realism to the Power Rangers universe as realistic as, you know, a 400-foot-tall Megazord would be, you know? So it's <laughs> it's really cool. And moving on in, into this issue seven, we see Rita completely taking over the command center, and she's actually fixing it by having and Bamboo melt the putties to build a wall for the damaged section of the command center. We don't get a lot of Squad and Babu. They're here barely in this comic book series. So I like that they're in the background and Squad has this line well, we all gotta make sacrifices and it's like he's saying that to the, the putties which are basically climbing on top of each other and then being blasted with his flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. I never really liked Squat. So, like, seeing him here with a, a flamethrower just, like, toasting these guys ruthlessly, I'm just like, <laughs> ew. <laughs> yeah, and then we've got Rita talking to Alpha's severed head. 
<laughs> they're doing a really good job with imagery because, like, as a kid, you'd be, like, so crushed. You'd be like, man, Alpha, you were such a great comic relief, chuckly little character, and now she's just playing with your head, like, ha, ah, you stupid little saucer. <laughs> <laughs> the last panel, we see a little glow, so it's, like, hinting that uh, he may still be active. Then we flash back to the pocket dimension. Trini's trying to figure out what's wrong with their morpher, only to find that there's nothing wrong. It's just that their connection has been severed. I just want to point out here that that is a beautiful shot of that morpher. All the little gears and little arms and stuff that's inside it. That's cool. And I'd love to see like a prop maker fix a morpher that looks like that with like the little crystal. Yeah, like whatever that little morphing crystal is. And maybe the power Power coins give the power, but they have to have their own crystal built into the morpher. And just like how the Black Dragon was able to use a dark crystal to sever their powers. Yeah, so it's adding this layer of the technology that we never saw for on the show. And it now, makes the morpher seem more real than just a plastic prop. Now, do you think that these little crystals, they're tied to the morphing grid? Maybe like the crystals that come out of the coins to control the dinosaurs? You know what? I didn't think about that but that could very well be yeah i didn't think about it when i read it either i was just thinking about it now like now that we're talking about it <laughs> that's an extra little layer i'm just like what don't we know what is there yet to discover that we mm-hmm. never thought of and so that that's all these little surprises it's like this weird back commentary of all this mythology i'm really digging in the series oh yeah me too and then Tommy's viewing a replay of, of what happened. He's feeling down on himself. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> You're a ranger. <laughs> but yeah, Kim does a little heart-to-heart with him, trying to talk him up. And then Rita makes this huge announcement that they have 24 hours for the world leaders to stand down and to pledge their allegiance to Rita. Otherwise, she's going to use... The the Zords to destroy major cities on the planet. And we get a beautiful shot of the T-Rex uh, next to the Eiffel Tower. And then we see the saber-toothed tiger in Shibuya in Tokyo. The stakes are really set up. The Rangers are still trying to figure out what to do. And they figure that if they can somehow get to the Dark Dimension and they'll start rebuilding their team. So Tommy, with his past knowledge of being under Rita's spell, he knows that there's a portal generator in the moon base that they can use to get to the dark dimension. Then, I, which I thought was a great panel, Zach's like, well, you can't teleport in, and it's a moon base, so how are you guys going to get there? And the last panel of that page is Tommy and Jason sharing this look like, oh yeah, I think we got a plan. <laughs> it's literally Tommy looking at Jason going, hey, hold my beer. <laughs> Exactly. And then, right? Yeah. And then the next page shows you why. <laughs> yeah, you turn the next page and you've got the freaking dragon zord blasting off into space and landing. It's on fire. Yeah. It's going through the uh, atmosphere and it's breaking through orbit and everything. And so it's like burning up. And yeah. so it's busting all the fuel or whatever, propelling the dragon zord because i see his little fingers have like i don't know jet streams coming out of it but that's where the missiles come out of so i'm not exactly (laughs) sure what's going on there but yeah this thing like burning up and then he gets to the moon and he's like oh it's all cool bro (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's like it's like scrar but yeah. like trans it's like we did it we did that <laughs> it's so awesome and i love that jason makes that comment he's like yeah, I wondered if the Zords were capable of space travel. <laughs> and Tommy's like, yeah, but piloting one up here, it's like a whole other thing. <laughs> you get this two-panel shot of, like, the putties just doing whatever. They're on patrol duty. And then kind of going, like, there's no dialogue or whatever, but there's these squiggle lines, like, they're going, like, whoa. <laughs> they're having a dance party, man. <laughs> Activate the dance laser. Make Dragon Zord dance. <laughs> but yeah, boom, there's the Dragon Zord. And we get the freaking rocket missiles through the hands. I love that about the Dragon Zord. And they start laying waste to the palace. And then Tommy hands over control of the Dragon Zord to an unmorphed Jason while he goes off. And then you get the epic superhero landing of the Green Ranger on the moon, which I thought was pretty yeah. cool. Although, I'm looking at this landing now, and I'm thinking, I'm like, isn't gravity, would that prevent him <laughs> from like landing that way? Does the morphing grid cut through the laws of no gravity? I don't think so, because he mentions how the lack of gravity is helping him. <laughs> I'm just nitpicking it. I'm just kind of being a jerk at this point. Let's move on. <laughs> sure. Trini and Zach are discussing. Trini's having doubts. Zach's also trying to motivate her. And considering what happens in the Pink series, I really like that they're setting up this talk now with them. Yeah. Like it's hinting at things to come. And then the next panel, now Jason's going wild with the Dragon Zord. He even says, Rocket Fingers. Oh, yeah. That's like, exactly what I would do. Yeah, right? Like, Jason gives you, like, here are the keys, bro, keep it safe. <laughs> it just is like, nobody's here to hold my beer. What would you do? I'd be, like, whipping things with my tail and shooting things and doing all sorts of dragon lordy things. <laughs> 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 yeah, and then we see Tommy get backhanded by the Black Dragon, who is now on the moon, and can grow, we find out, can grow to Megazord size. So there's this fight with the Black Dragon and the Dragon Zord. Dragon Zord's getting its butt handed to him. Uh, Jason's pretty beat up. And then... He should have been wearing a seatbelt. He shouldn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like looking at this panel, I'm like, there's like some sharp objects flying around him. I know. He's it's... just kind of out cold. It doesn't look that bad. And how many times in the series have these Zords beaten and broken to the point of almost dying? Things falling off of Zords and stuff. And Tommy's really concerned here. He's like, no, Jason. And I'm just like, how many times have you survived? I mean, I don't know exactly where this is placed in the timeline of the series, but there, there have been multiple times where they've been knocked around and they've been kind of all right. Yeah. The, I, the doors are kind of tough. I'm kind of concerned about Jason here for a second. Like, you just got taken out. So maybe that's just a testament to how powerful the Black Dragon really is because he just kind of pimp smacked the Dragon Zord and... Now Jason's unconscious. <laughs> Which I thought was an epic way to end this issue. The Black Dragon in Megazord mode picks up Tommy with his two fingers. And he's like, you like have a much bigger problem on your hands. It looks like he's about to drink um, like a cup of tea. <laughs> like, it's tea time. <laughs> I thought this issue was fantastic. Just all the things we were talking about. Freaking Dragon Zord on the moon. Yeah, it's something that would have never space been battles. done. General are sweet. 
Oh, yeah. So even just him flying around in orbit or just leaving the planet was pretty sweet. They didn't need the battle on the moon, but, you know, it's cool that they did. Oh, for sure. Moving on to issue eight, the world is on lockdown. The dinosaurs, now under control of Black Dragon, are stationed around the globe invoking Rita's word as law. With the rangers left powerless, Rita calls upon Tommy to make the ultimate sacrifice or risk Angel Grove's survival. So this issue, we start out with a little uh, bulk and skull they're still doing their blog thing which i think is pretty cool but yeah. they're they're doing like the recap of what's going on so i really like that they're being used this way as more of like bloggers it gives everything that sense of what's going on in the real world without the rangers and just like a little thing i like how each of these panels have like the iphone frame like we're actually yeah. watching it through their phone which is pretty <laughs> sweet i didn't even notice that until you just said that <laughs> There was this negative space over here, but the captions and the sound effects kind of move over to it. Mm -hmm. And I just totally did not get that until now. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I mean. These cool little details that they're able to do. Hendry, the artist, I can't praise him enough because the amount of detail that he packs into each panel of this comic is fantastic. Yeah. Which is why the standalone issues, it feels like a brick wall when it comes the continuity not that the art is bad per se it's just not as fulfilling i guess or the portion size of the meal is a lot bigger with injury like you get a lot oh, yeah. more bigger buck here absolutely and then we go back to the black dragon versus the green ranger something that i liked in this was that tommy is able to disengage his shield and that's how he was able to get away from the black dragon i was thinking about this last issue i didn't bring it up until now because this happened happening sure why when tommy handed over is it because jason lost his powers like why couldn't he hand over the shield when he gave him the dragon dagger he hands over his dragon dagger and wouldn't the shield follow him but jason isn't a ranger right so i don't think the shield would work on a non-ranger that was curious for me like i'm just like well could it have happened or is it just because he's civilian at this point I and is he because he still has the coin chose you to be strong and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And that's why you're the T-Rex. Um, so it's like the spirit of the ranger. Sure. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. But I think at this point in the story, Tommy needs the dragon shield more because he's going up against the Black Dragon. Jason is right. the, the freaking Dragon Zord. So, yeah. Yeah. And we see he wasn't beat up that bad because he gets the Zord stabilized and the Green Ranger starts finding the Black Dragon some more. He uses one of the putty yes. moon base cannon things. The Black Dragon does this like clap. It's almost like a thunder clap that knocks Tommy back, which I thought was pretty cool. But, I don't ever know how you aim those things. And the instance <laughs> of, like, the Incredible Hulk, you just, like, smack your hands and hopefully, like, what if it comes up a little short? Or is it just, like, magic or something? Because it does that, like, awesome little glow. Yeah, I think it's kind of like the glow that he used. Where, where he strips the ranger's power. Yeah. Like, so, the scream. Yeah, so it, lo it looks like he's able to focus it a bit more when he's zord size. Even Tommy's like, hey, it's easy to fight me when you're 30 stories tall. And Black Dragon's like, you're right, I'd hate to give you any excuse for losing. So he shrinks down, and Tommy thinks he's got this advantage, but he still gets beat down uh, by the Black Dragon. 
the black dragon has two closed fists ready to come down and he hesitates that's when the dragon zord you get this amazing panel the dragon zord just like freaking flies on top of the black dragon and cuts off his arm (laughs) it's like i I can almost imagine jason in the cockpit like free willy (laughs) just the way the dragon zord's positioned in this panel like he's (laughs) A wall of freedom, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Jason transports Tommy back into the cockpit, and then they blast the heck out of there. Trini and the rest of the gang are able to connect with Alpha, and Alpha's severed head is talking to him. Tommy and Jason transport back to the pocket dimension, but Tommy's pretty wiped. They do have the Black Dragon's severed arm that they were able to grab. They start to analyze it, and they're still trying to come up with a plan. Meanwhile, we switch back to Rita, who's talking with the Black Dragon, and this is where we see Finster uh, repairing the Black Dragon's arm, building him a new one. And Rita's asking him why he hesitated, and Black Dragon's saying, well, I want to defeat him on my own terms. You're still getting what you want. And he even says, my motives are none of your concern. The only thing I ask is that I be the one to destroy the Green Ranger. So we see that this vendetta that we don't know about but becomes clear in the future issue. And she doesn't really like it either. Like, no. Rita's like, I'm going along with it because I hired you for this job and I've already paid you the money, so to speak. So I, I don't have anything to say about it, but why the heck did you do that? Like, why did you hesitate? Yeah, all you had to do was just end him. Yeah. When he was talking about how, when he shrank down from Megazord size and he was handing it to Tommy, there's this feeling of almost respect for your opponent. So it's that, like, warrior or samurai kind of honor code. Right. Where you will give somebody a meaningful, honorable death. Which is interesting juxtaposition to, we go to the next page, and we go back to Billy and Goldar. So, again, they're, Billy and Goldar are having this back and heart forth. Heart. They're having their own heart-to-heart. <laughs> then we go back, finally Zach and Tommy make up. Zach apologizes because he knows that Tommy put it all out all on the line to risk everything for Billy. And he was actually really impressed that Tommy was crazy enough to go to the moon with the Dragon Zord. And I like this little segue, too, because the previous panels with Goldar and Billy, we have Billy kind of psychoanalyzing and kind of like attacking him and breaking him down mentally, saying things like, what if you're in prison? I don't really care about you. And you're just down here to rot. And, you know, you're not going to be her right hand man. And Goldar's talking about how I'm important. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> like being that ex-boyfriend or something that's that crazy well she'll come back around and, and he, <laughs> he even says she she has to and he, you see this like worried look on goldar's face it's like if it was actually a puppy like his ears would be down <laughs> You know? Totally. <laughs> so, like, this next page where you're expecting Zach to be kind of beefing it with Tommy again, he comes back around, he's like, you're a good kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got the reverse happening there. So, yeah. it's kind of see the, good to see that boomerang around. Yeah. It kind of snaps for Tommy to get this idea, and they use the Black Dragon's arm to do the same thing that the Black Dragon did with Billy's coin, but with Tommy's power. I like how he got the idea for that, because, like, he's trying to make fun of Zach, like... Right. Well, I'm glad that I was out there risking my life. I swear to God, if you wanted to go out there and do it, I'd have no problem giving you my powers. And then it just goes... 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty cool because this is the type of Tommy that we'll see grow into a leader when he becomes the White Ranger. So mm-hmm. it's good for Tommy to have moments like this early on because it's really showing that he's developing as a leader and can come up with these great strategies. And we're seeing a lot of that in this issue. Not only is he forced or chosen to be the leader when he becomes the White Ranger, mm-hmm. but he was always kind of had that leadership qualities inside him. Mm-hmm. And so it's not so in this series. It's another thing that they're building off from the TV show, which is another great point. And then we get this epic sequence. They're doing their morphing. And then the last page is Tommy is demorphed and you've got Kimberly, Trini, Zach, and Jason in green versions of their suits. Although I wish he keeps the arm on. When we go further in the issues, I, I wish he would just like use it as a weapon or something. Because like, <laughs> I, when I see that, I, that's what I was hoping for going forward. I'm just like, oh man, he's got like this cool like Mega Man arm or like <laughs> like this robotic cyborg arm that he can control. Because it looks like it fits like a glove. Yeah, it's like it's- a gauntlet. In this image. Yeah, it's it's pretty epic. It's a great shot. But what a juxtaposition to two issues before, where it's almost mirrored the same way. I'm actually looking at it now. The last page of issue six, when they've lost their powers, this is like the opposite of that, of them gaining their powers. And it's the panels laid out almost exactly the same way. Yeah. So I'm just, it's little touches like that that I'm noticing that are really epic. And I think that's what makes Hendry such a great artist for this series. I really feel like knowing good creative groups, they have a good rapport. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that Kyle and Hendry both talk together via either through the script or things like on Skype and email trying to convey like it's a really thought out product at this point everything makes sense any questions you might have or concerns about it and this kind of planning makes this book so successful and i really appreciate even the background work into these titles that these guys are pulling because they're coming together and they're a pretty solid team which is why i'd be sad if they stopped being the team on this book Uh, oh yeah for sure it would take a lot for me to like any other team who might even attempt to do this book because right now i can't imagine any other team doing it right for you the listeners of ranger command power hour audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com slash ranger command ph again that's audibletrial.com slash ranger command ph for your free audiobook So moving on to issue nine, this is where it all comes together. The countdown is happening. We see the Mastodon in Sydney, the Pterodactyl in what looks like Manhattan. The countdown is on, and the Black Dragon is with the T-Rex in Paris. That shot is awesome, because we get to see all the different designs from the back of the Black Dragon, and Mm -hmm. love how in the horizon, how everything's kind of faint and blue, and it just kind of washes out. So it shows the scale and the distance 
from everything. I'm gushing over this art. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty epic. It's funny because then these soldiers are like looking at this T-Rex and it's something almost out of Godzilla. And Mm -hmm. you see this like green energy and then the Red Ranger is there and he's in and he's like, hey, don't worry, guys, help's here. And And how cool is that? Like at first when I seen the previews online, I thought it was Tommy beaming down to Paris. But it's just kind of cool to see a quote unquote Green Ranger because their helmets are so similar because of the whole centaur brother thing uh, <laughs> it looks like green ranger with a power blaster the sidearm there and i'm yeah. just like that's really cool <laughs> yeah and i really like the composition of this panel too because the red ranger is almost i know i know he's beaming in and it's all like kind of like that landing pose but the t-rex sword in the background is kind of mimicking that same pose so right. it's really well done has there been any page that ever like oh this page kind of stunk the composition <laughs> back and- it's just not working for us. <laughs> I don't think so. No, no. Every panel is packed with detail. So now the Rangers are all at their Zords and they're able to regain control of their Zords now that they have a connection to the Morphing Grid. <laughs> ah, but you don't have all of them all. <laughs> I love that. I love that the Triceratops and he, he's like, mount the cannon. Cause I've always loved that cannon and I wish they used it more in the TV show. Yeah. Any of the auxiliary weapons that the Zords have, like, I was almost expecting some more, uh, chain horns coming out of here and just like <laughs> plowing things down. I can almost imagine like the horns just shooting out and ripping open a building and then pulling back out and like people kind of looking out of the hole, like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> so the black dragon grows to large size again and just smashes the dragon zord's face and it opens up to the cockpit so the blind dragon thinks that tommy's in there but no tommy's got the dragon dagger and he's at the eiffel tower and he's hanging out i don't know if that's the eiffel tower or not because he's hanging out gargoyle and stuff on top of a building oh yeah yeah well he's he's somewhere in france It might be a church. Oh, there you go. And then we see all the Zords have teleported to France. And this feels like an epic toku shot, like a Ultraman. The Black Dragon is silhouetted against the sun, and you see him surrounded by the Zords. It's totally epic. You can can almost imagine that that actually being a backdrop, and the guys are there with the crane camera coming down. (laughs) Like you you see the the models, I can actually see in my mind like Sabretooth doing that crazy effed up thing it does with the the feet. You know, in, in the show where they have, it's just like they're behind the model of the sword and they're yeah. hitting the little lever and the arms just go up and down. <laughs> and it's not super impressive, but it's super cheesy. I can just totally see that in this moment. Oh, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely mimicking some of those old school Sentai type shots. And then we get this great two page spread with Billy and Goldarb commenting on the fight. And they have this disdain for the black dragon it's almost like they're in the dark dimension and you're like hey i've got direct tv you want you want to pop on the (laughs) pay-per-view 
And like they're just kind of casually sitting watching and it's like, oh well you look at that. They're kind of rooting for teams, but they're not. Yeah. It's this weird moment. Billy finds out that Goldar does have control of the dark dimension, and that's why they're able to see that. Goldar makes the connection that the black dragon, that's not his real form. You see that there's like a hatch when he grows to Megazord size. That gives Billy an idea, and he's like, hey, since this is your area, can I get out? I was like, why do you want to get out? Well, the enemy of my enemy, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's great because it convinces Goldar, and he says, don't make me regret this, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, like, I can totally see this conversation playing out in his head, and he's just like, well, this little pipsqueak over here has been straight with me this whole time. I could have killed him, could have strangled him with these chains, but he's been pretty cool, pretty chill, you know? I haven't seen anybody in quite a while. He's the first visitor that I've had in ages. (laughs) So, you know what? I'm going to give this guy a shot. (laughs) And I love that smirk that Goldar has. So, we see that Billy joins Tommy. He's beamed back. He says, it's a long story, but Goldar. And then he said, I grabbed my communicator from the base. So, Goldar just released Billy into Rita's palace. He got his communicator back and then beamed down. The music notes coming out of the Dragon Dagger. Oh, yeah. I had not seen that on my first (laughs) viewing. Yeah, and then Billy drops on Tommy that, hey, the Black Dragon's mechanical, like a Zord. And he's like, so how is that going to (laughs) help? This is why, idiot. (laughs) So, yeah, they are able to transport on the back of his neck and open up the access hatch. We see them crawling around. The Zords are still fighting the Black Dragon, but because Tommy's not doing the Dragon Flute, the Dragon Zord's kind of out of commission right now. And Mm -hmm. they smash a power cell in the Black Dragon, which starts actually shrinking him. The Black Dragon is shrinking around Billy and Tommy. And they're like, we gotta get the heck out of here. So they're trying to transport out, but then it blows up, and everyone's like, oh no. So So Mm -hmm. they rip the Black Dragon apart, and Trini makes a discovery that parts of the Black Dragon are from the Dragon Zord. And at this point, I questioned myself. I was wondering, with Tommy being in there, do you think he would notice, or do you think... Because Billy and Trini were more intimately knowledgeable of the mechanics of the Dragon Zord, he would have no idea. I think Tommy would have no idea. Yeah. Because a few issues in the beginning, we saw that Billy and Trini were the ones that were really working on the Zords. So, But you still can't get over it, man. That was awesome. Oh, like yeah. Like when they went underwater. We've seen the insides of these things. They've been in outer space. And it's very cool what they're doing with these Zords. Because... How else could you make giant robots cool? And, I mean, that, that's a blanket statement. There's plenty of reasons that you can make giant robots cool, but they're doing it in a very intense and very well-thought-out manner. And mm-hmm. it breaks away from that formulaic Power Rangers fight the bad guy, need to call the Zords, connect them together, monster gets big, defeat the monster. It takes away from that monotony, and we're seeing all these other things that were possible in the series. And I like that we've only seen the Megazord maybe once or twice in this whole series. 
We've seen more of the individual Zords than we have of the Megazord, and I love that. Yeah, I'm not missing it at all, to be honest. So, to close out the book, we see Rita talking to a mysterious, like, blurred shape. And she said, the Rangers recovered your body. And she's like, how's that possible? And the Black Dragon says, because I was never really there. And he says that the Black Dragon was just a vessel, but from my plane. He said, I still intend to deliver on all my promises. I know where Tommy and Billy are, and I know where they've been transported to. You turn the page, and he says, my world, and holy it's a brand new Power Ranger. Yeah, I have mixed feelings on this guy. I think it, it, it's cool, but wow. I was really hoping <laughs> that it was something super unique. You know what I mean? Right. Like, the hybrid thing that we get here between the White and Green Ranger, it's almost like something that the community's been asking for for years. Right. I've seen some fan art here and there. I know Starlight Studios made a hybrid coin at one point. Sure. And there have been other cosplayers that have tried to put something together. This is really solid, though. And so I really liked the design. Yeah. But there was a little part of me that was like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Tommy thing. we got two more issues to go for this, but I'm fine that Tommy is getting a focus. I mean, Kyle Higgins has said in interviews before that there is a lot of focus on Tommy, but they're also trying to focus on the other Rangers. I do really think they do a really good job, and I understand why it's Tommy-focused right now, because it's been Tommy from the get-go. That's the storyline. Ever since day one, where he's having those headache blackout instances, where his mom's face is being ripped off and just tripping out, he's still isn't done with that chapter like he still has that fear and this is the physical embodiment of what if you never said no yeah going back to what we found lord dracon's design you're right i've seen a lot of people try to do the cosplay hybrid thing but i think this is the most unique and cohesive design of that that i've seen right and it was like within a couple weeks someone already had like a helmet sculpted and and the ranger stuff going on for this suit. That was Chris, wasn't it? Yeah, Chris Cantata. He did probably the most solid version of it. He had a helmet maker help him with it. And it was just, I think, uh, think Nimoy was doing that for him. Yeah. And, and uh, I haven't seen it painted yet. I've seen a sculpt and I, it looks pretty spot on. So I can't wait to see the whole thing complete. Oh, yeah, me too. So then on the final pages, Billy and Tommy, they are alive. And then the last panel is to me like this big planet of the apes type oh my god you blew it up type moment because they're standing in front this huge statue of rita and the green ranger you know how amazing it'd be for billy to go back to the other dimension and just tell goldar and be like it's green ranger next to rita not you (laughs) sorry bro yeah he could definitely rub it in goldar's face Right? You don't see anybody else there. You don't see Fenster, Baboon Squad. You don't even see Zed. No, no, that's which is great. I was hoping, that's what I was hoping that uh, Lord Dracon was. I was kind of hoping that that was going to be some version of... Because we haven't had Zed yet. No. And so I thought that was going to be like some crazy new introduction to the Lord of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll get into who it is in issue 11. But first, this is where the break happens. We get our standalone story, much like issue 5. And this is a Billy focus. And I'm just going to go quickly through this. Billy has a lot of self-doubt when he hesitates to destroy a monster. And he has some real confidence issues And they frame this whole story of the hero's quest or the hero's journey. And Billy's reading all about it and he's trying to become a better hero. And what wasn't really clear in how they drew these panels, but Billy morphs and then he demorphs certain parts of the suit. So he's wearing his ranger suit under his clothing when he goes to school. He has all these self-doubts. Trini talks to him, tries to see what's he's reading. What's he doing? But he goes away and then he goes into the danger room for the command center. Yeah, that's really like my favorite part of this issue is it leading into it because you don't know. You just think that maybe Billy's on a mission by himself right. and he's just taking things because he's trying to build confidence. And you know how that ends up like he goes out and tries to do something on his own and then he fails. But you're always a hero, Billy. <laughs> that's where I thought it was heading. And then so when it hits like the danger room esque virtual reality, simulator thing right then Zach asking casually but concerned for Billy like how, how many times have he, has he done this and Alpha says 64 times <laughs> that panel he's, he's got like the Metal Gear Solid thing going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah the what? <laughs> so when Zach hears that, he goes to have this talk with Billy, and it's like they're in the command center's like lunchroom or something. <laughs> right. It's pretty sad looking if it's the lunchroom. <laughs> Or, or maybe some kind of conference room. I, I don't know. That looks like solitary. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Well, it totally could be. He's kind of feeling bad about himself because he must yeah. be left alone. So yeah. he's sequestering himself into this, like, I don't know. It could be like the garbage chute. Like, that's where it goes. To, like, they dispose of their waste. I don't know. So Zach's like, hey, what's up? And Billy says, oh, I'm just playing with our morpher frequencies. I'm going to try to add some bells and whistles. And then Zach picks up the hero. Quest book, and Zach has the heart to heart with Billy, and Billy confides in him that I morph when I have my suit underneath my clothes when I go to school. And Zach's like, Hey, feelings are feelings, don't fight them, let them happen, embrace them. It's okay to be scared. And Billy asks, well, what kind of Power Ranger is scared? And Zack says, a smart one. And to me, that was such a great line because it's a good lesson. Yeah, and, you know, not only is it a good lesson, I feel like even with the way the panel was drawn, I feel like this panel was drawn intricately well because you don't see the actual motion, but Zack, like, knocking on the book. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be an idiot. You're the smartest man in the room the smart one yeah the smartest teacher and he's thinking to himself it's kind of blossoming out of this idea that well i am smart and this thing that i'm doing is kind of dumb and then it brings his intellect into overcoming that fear and just kind of looking at the situation objectively exactly and i think it gives billy a little bit more confidence and zach says you know hey you're not alone and hopefully you can find a way to remember that and it kind of dawns on billy so the next couple pages he actually alters the communicator to tie it into the morphing grid so that they can communicate anywhere and extends the range of their teleportation so they can go anywhere too not just to and from the command center and billy says now we're really never alone overall 
overall, I think it's just a nice side story that ties into the psyche of Billy and what he's going through with all of this. Obviously, this takes place before Tommy. I didn't see Tommy at the end there. Right. And they have the teleportation on their communicators already. So I like that this issue shows Billy having his confidence. That's why in like the last couple issues, he's verbally going toe-to-toe with Goldar because he's developed that confidence now. Yeah. And I really appreciate Zack being the one that pulls him out of the funk that he's in because usually in the show, it's Jason that comes up and he's like, hey, everything okay? This is what's going on. And then I feel like, not that it's played out, but it shows a little bit more character for Zack than what we got earlier on with his spats between him and Tommy because we know from his standalone issue that the whole what if he was the Green Ranger instead and all the stuff. So you got that playing in, but it's really refreshing to see it's not just Jason's job to solidify the team. It's really everybody cares for everybody and everybody's looking out at each other's back instead of it always being, hey, Jason, you might want to talk to him. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. (laughs) Because you got a lot of that from the TV show. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was like the pep talk king. And half the time, it didn't even make sense. Right. (laughs) But that's why I like this issue, because in a way, it ties the two standalone issues together as well, since they're both uh, pre-Green Ranger, and Zack's giving the advice. So it ties into Zack's standalone in issue five. And the way I feel about these standalone issues, I feel like it's a great, like, say it's a DVD or a Blu-ray DVD. What am I I talking about? (laughs) Say you got the movie, and you're watching it, and this is like the special features commentary almost like the behind the scenes because we're reading about these characters in the series but these actually delve more into their character like you were saying and at first when the the black ranger standalone came out it was jarring because it took away from the storyline that and then the art was different and everything and so i was just like oh man come on what are you doing guys in our last review we both didn't like issue five for that very reason like it stopped the flow of the story. It was a different art style. It just didn't work. But, you know, now that I read Kyle Higgins' reasoning behind it, and I get it, it's to give Hendry a break in drawing these fantastic issues. So oh, yeah. And I totally after get this, that. After reading this Billy one, it totally makes sense why. And mm-hmm. adding it as right. a companion book for the series, I really appreciate them more now that it's not just hey, this is the filler episode. (laughs) Right. Because it ultimately it serves a greater purpose. Yeah. One more comment about this issue. This was illustrated by artist uh, Jonathan Lamb. And I have to say, I really enjoyed his art style. Oh, yeah. When I first opened the issue and I started reading it, it took me by surprise because the art was so, I guess the simplest word I could put is it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's not overly mucked up. Every line looks like it has a purpose and it's staged well and it conveys emotion. And I'm a really big fan of the way that Billy is portrayed in this issue. Yeah. Because we get the main series, it's like a redesigned Billy, more like a season three Billy body. Right. <laughs> like he like by season three, Billy's really bulked up. He's walking around, David Yost is just like he's stacked. And you're like, What? What? Where'd these guns come from? 
but this issue it shows also with his mental stability that am I not the hero? Am I the weakest link in the team? And when he stutters the blaster, it it also plays into the way that Jonathan stylizes the character, mm-hmm. and he looks a little bit more fragile, and he looks a little bit more it's not impressionable, but no, I get what you're saying. He's more vulnerable. Like, vulnerable, yeah. It's really well crafted, and so yeah, I agree. It's a slightly more anime type style, unmorphed. It's a little bit more that anime, and the line work, it's sketchy, but when the colors are added, it's great, and I think the coloring is fantastic. The colorist on this was Joanna La Fuente, and when he's in, like, that danger room, the bright oranges and blues and greens, it's just really impressive. This whole comic is very bright, which I appreciate. Yeah. So then, finally, issue 11. Back to the main story. And we open up with all of the Rangers back at their families. Uh, I, I just wanted to comment really quick. Sure. On the cover here. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got the Golden Gate Bridge on this cover, and you were talking that we hardly see the Megazord. <laughs> well, here he is. Here is the Zord, and it's in the river. It's in the bay. And it's, it's pretty, pretty toasted. Yeah. Which leads to that Planet of the Apes feel you were mentioning as well from that last page. Exactly. Um, I like how they brought that type of feeling into this cover. because It's yeah, post-apocalyptic Power Rangers. Yeah. It's like Billy's... the city of Corinth is just around the bay. <laughs> and it's like Billy's like in the sand. You blew it up. (laughs) Right? Almost like that Planet of the Apes. So yeah, we connect with the Rangers' families. Obviously, Billy's parents and Tommy's mom are worried. They're calling the police. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And we go back to Billy and Tommy in this weird alternate dimension and we see a moon base with Lord Draken's symbol on it and we see these videos that are being displayed on all screens, her rise to power and things like curfew I thought it was funny that Billy's trying to explain all this and he's like, well, is this an alternate timeline or is this an alternate universe or is this our future? Yeah, Yeah. Billy in this moment is every reader reading this, that, that is a it's like, well... What is Kyle doing here? Is this future? Is this present? Is this alternate dimension? Like, what, what's going on here, guys? We get a shot of the newest Ranger-type creation in the Boom universe, the Mastodon Sentries. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like that it kind of connects with the Pink series in a way, because in the Pink series, we get these cool variations of the powers based on what they were wearing. And we kind of get that here, too. The Black Rangers power has been distributed to all of these like Macedon sentries. Yeah. The front of their gun looks like Zach's act. And yeah, it's like the, the mammoth breaker gun barrel. Exactly. And you got these boots. One thing I noticed about them was they're almost like the original movie boots. Yes. I just noticed that now too. Yeah. And sure. So like you got like this armored kind of military fatigue thing going on with a touch of movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a super cool design and I'd love to see a cosplayer tackle this for sure another thing i noticed is that these mastodon helmets they have no mouth 
it's just a faceplate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and a, it's so, a good so that, alternate. That takes away some of that humanity from them. Yeah, more like a stormtrooper or something. Yeah, they dehumanize it so it's okay to lose a life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, the theory I had going into this issue, and to me it was like kind of backed up with these Mastodon centuries, I thought that Lord Dracon was an evil Zack, which was hinted at in the first standalone. So mm-hmm. I thought this green and white combination, even though it's like, okay, the easy thing is to do Tommy, and I know we're talking about Tommy, and spoiler alert, it is Tommy at the end of this issue. <laughs> right. But my thought going into this was maybe Rita actually did convince Zach, and we're in an alternate universe, not in a future timeline. So that's what I thought going into this. But the issue does play out uh, differently. We see things like, he thinks Angel Grove High School is coming up, but it's actually the Finster Memorial Correctional Facility. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to wonder why Billy, I don't know if the geography of Angel Grove is different in this dimension, but it's on a cliff, like an oceanside cliff. (laughs) Yeah, at first I thought it was like Alcatraz or something. Right, and so I'm like, okay. (laughs) But I love the tagline on the sign because it says molding the minds of tomorrow (laughs) right so building um, with the whole finster thing yeah yeah that's kind of cool i almost see the inner workings of this place being like they're walking through some kind of machine and this thing comes stamps down and then when it comes back up their face is just kind of lost and their eyes are just like super white like they just got erased or like mind wiped or something <laughs> that'd be really weird <laughs> like brainwashing these people maybe to be the mastodon centuries right we see four centuries and the reason they chase Billy and Tommy was because the first one noticed that Tommy had the dragon dagger. So he's like, oh yeah, the master will want to know about this. Where'd you get that? (laughs) And Tommy's like, gotta peace out. Sorry. Yeah. Later. Then we switch back to the boom universe and Rita confronts Goldar and says, hey, why did the Blue Ranger escape? And Goldar completely lies. He's like, oh, he had a secondary teleportation device. That piece of crap Black Dragon didn't see it. You should fire him. (laughs) And Goldar's like, I can't do nothing. I'm in chains. And Rita's not really buying it. Right. So Rita's really giving him a chance to redeem himself. And he said, it would be my honor, Empress. That's kind of setting up another thing. When I read that, I'm like, that's also a moment where I feel like Goldar can now trust the deals being made between Billy. So Billy made good on his promise, like, hey, if you do this for me and get me out of here, I'm pretty sure that, you know, 100% that Rita will go along with you and, you know, you'll be on her good graces. And so it's this moment where he's like, all right, so the deal's good. We can can deal again in the future and we might have a good solid relationship there if I need to use you again. The Rangers are still an enemy of Goldar, but this is like, he's got something in his back pocket now where there's that uneasy kind of alliance if he needs to deal against Lord Dracon in the future. (laughs) So the teens are searching the rubble and Trini finds out that the processor that they found on Lord Dracon Megazord body is the exact same processor from the Dragonzord, which what? is 
<laughs> which is kind of like one of those quantum time travel things that I mean if you're a fan of science fiction this is all starting to make sense mm-hmm. and then Tommy and Billy have made their way to the old command center and we get this epic shot of Tor and the Thunderzords which in from their eyes haven't even happened yet. So this right, is that, like, yeah. I see this, and I'm like, so th- how are they not like, whoa, where are these awesome things? Why are they destroyed? Because these guys are like totally brand new Zords, and they're just like, hey, look at these Zords. There's damage on them. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I wish they were freaking out a little bit more like, oh, whoa, are these our new Zords in the future or what's happening? Or is there like a new team of Rangers in this timeline? If the Manster blown up, the whole thing has been cratered on the side. And then they're just like half buried in front of the shallow graves in front of the command center. So they know that they're either these things blew up because they tried to destroy the command center in this dimension. Or they were trying to protect it. Yeah. And then so my mind would be like, hey, where are the rangers that were piloting these swords? And I wonder if I use these things, like, can I get up inside it <laughs> and try to drive these things away, or are they super damaged? I think they're pretty much trashed beyond use at all. To me, I was just like, oh my god, there's Tor! <laughs> I was freaking out. I mean, out. Tor looks kind of sad, though. He's just kind of chilling, like, resting his shoulder up on the mountain. Like, he, he just got wrong something <laughs> and tipped over, and nobody wanted to help him up. <laughs> It's pretty crazy. Tor's Thunderzord's drunken friend. (laughs) So then they start hearing this voice and they're like, what's going on? Why is it down in this hole? Like, what's happening? Why does this voice sound British? (laughs) When it was revealed that it was, because the next couple pages, Tommy finds... And when you reread this, you can totally, it's Ren in Saba's voice. When I was reading that, it's like I'm hearing Tony Oliver's voice for this, you know? Mm. (laughs) So Tommy is able to go into the secondary command center that we see from Zio and Turbo. And Saba is Mm -hmm. floating in what would have been Zordon's tube. The lights start shining. Tommy climbs out of the hole. And they're being surrounded by the Macedon sentry. And then Lord Dracon reveals himself, and he's like, I welcome you to my world, a better world. And you know what? In this panel down here, in the very last panel on this page, I just had this realization that this helmet design is totally super... I mean, I know that the Kiba Ranger helmet is Die Ranger, but this one, it feels like like Ru Ranger. Like It feels more like it's Die Ranger helmet than the actual Kiba Ranger helmet is. Yeah, the ornamentation really brings out more of that Sentai-type feeling. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I just caught that and I'm like, crap. <laughs> That's it, cool. It's, it's, <laughs> it's very well designed. I want to see more and more of this suit. But then the last page... Nobody cares about the last page it's topic. Tommy. <laughs> it's Tommy. <laughs> Nobody cares. It's, it's evil Tommy. <laughs> evil future Tommy. Yeah, and he's got like this infected vein disease thing crawling up his neck and yeah. he's got like this yeah. Richard graying hair thing happening. Because it's the future. (laughs) He's a little bit stressed out. He's like, I don't know what to wear. Should I wear the green costume or the white costume? I don't know. I don't know. And then somebody was like, why don't you wear them both? I don't know where that accent came from. It it must be the white hair. (laughs) 
<laughs> we have a whole other series and a first issue of the collaborative with DC. So that's something. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Yep. All right. See you. I want to thank Jeremy Treese for joining us on our show today. We will do a part three to cover the rest of the Pink series and also Justice League Power Rangers in the future. So, Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. You can find us on Twitter at rangercommanddx, our new Twitter account, or on Instagram and Facebook at rangercommandpowerhour, all one word. Thanks again, guys and tune in next week for our new extra episode. See ya. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphing Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at rangercommandph and like us on facebook.com slash Ranger Command Power Hour. This is Trucky B47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and you are listening to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Ranger Command is now on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks 